What time is it? It is backwards theology time, and we are glad to be with you. Uh, once again, they're always wondering how I'm going to start it off. This is I why be- you always start it off. This is great. <laughs> I'm sorry, that cracked me up. I what am- time is it? <laughs> we should have a sound of a bunch of children cheering. Right? What time is like it? Background a applause. Could go, like background applause. We have like a studio audience where people are like... Dub in, dub in some studio applause <laughs> at random times. Yeah. Hey, we're glad to be back with you. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Uh, we are committed to be able to give you some great episodes with great thought-provoking uh, content to be able to help you in your Christian walk, and no exception today. So we're excited about having you uh, here. We've had some interesting discussion um, before this, and but to stay true to our pattern, we talked for about 100 seconds yeah. about what we're going to talk about mm. this episode. Uh, I feel like I kind of headed up the last episode, so we duly elected the lover of lace, Josh Lovelace. The lover of lace. Yes, to head up today's discussion. So take it away, Josh. So if you are a... Um subscriber or average listener to our podcast. Um, and if you go to Truth Baptist Church, this is going to be a repeat for you. And I, I don't apologize. Way to sell it right at the beginning. I, yeah. I know, right? <laughs> we just lost all your listeners. All the listeners. Oh, we've heard this before. Click. Yeah. Um, the three of us men were sitting around and we've been discussing um, things that we're studying in the Bible. Uh, we, we brought up... Um, Subdue the last time we were together, and um, that's something that Brother Wiley has been studying, and um, Chad's been studying other things. Um, the, I think the Quran, I think is what he said. So, Quran, <laughs> I thought it, it was right. karate. What? What? <laughs> I'm confused. I'm just kidding. Um, but anyway, for me, I, I've been looking at several parts in scripture that you and I would call uh, you, you, you and I don't. Right. But the, the average Joe is going to call it a contradiction. And um, for me, it's, it's fun. You ever talk to somebody who says, this Bible is so full, the Bible is so full of contradictions. Mm-hmm. And then have you ever asked them to show you one? Sure. Because it was so full, they should be able to find one so quickly. Right. right. You should be able to just open it up. And That's right. One. It's so full. Well, if it's so full, find one. Sure. Um, obviously, they're just repeating what they've heard. Mm-hmm. Um, but... When, when, and again, I had help uh, on this particular one. Um, it, it, it really solidified in my mind the authenticity of Scripture um, because there are no contradictions. There are what you might call an apparent contradiction, but the contradiction isn't in the words of Scripture. The contradiction's in our understanding. It's mm, well said. Um, the Bible is always right. And again, we, you can go back to. Uh, I'm talking to the listener now. You can go back to previous podcasts and and see our stance on the scriptures. But our statement, I think, from the from episode one, was right scripture, right division, right understanding, and um, that's the approach to the Bible. And um, the right scripture we hold true um, to the the King James Bible. 
um, being the word of God and the words of God. And again, there are differences. People do believe that the Bible is the word of God, but they will not believe the Bible is the words of God. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll say, well, yeah, everything in here, all the, all the great teachings, but the very words are the words of God. Sure. Um, Which the Bible says that, right? Every yes. word Every of word God that is proceedeth pure. out of the mouth of God. Every Correct. word of God is pure. Mm-hmm. It's not a thought for thought. This is line upon line, precept upon precept, word for word, everything in here. For instance, there's a difference between um, subject and subdue because every word is important. There's a difference between extol and exalt because every word is important. So when we come across what you and I would call a contradiction, we have to start not with thinking, oh, we found one, but with thinking this isn't one because I have to believe God's word. Mm -hmm. So the issue is what God has yet to reveal to me. And let's also be true. God doesn't always reveal everything to us at the same time. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. There are th- there are there are things in the scriptures. I mean, good grief. The disciples are sitting with Jesus and he says there are things I want to tell you I just can't yet. Sure. So so we can never approach the Bible with I God t- tell me everything right here. He's not going to. So when we come across an apparent contradiction, we also have to not be so arrogant like an American and think that we have to know. Maybe God just doesn't want to tell us yet. Known only to God. Known only to God. And and the scriptures are going to reveal, and the Holy Spirit, rather, is going to reveal only what the scriptures say. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to give us anything outside of scripture. He's going to give us the scriptures. Um, and I think that was tied into our mysticism topic with Brother Dalton a couple weeks back. Because we talked about, you know, well, God's speaking to me. And he told me, God's only going to tell you what the Bible says. That's a Southern accent again. Right. Why do you do that? I'm not picking on Dalton. But it's also, to add to that, it's also as you're able to hear it. Yes. Right? Yes. This is, I was just going to, don't let me disrupt your chain. Do it. Um, But Jesus, it said in Mark 3, 33, and with many such parables spake he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. Hmm. So there is a reality if, the, if the, we don't have ears to hear and we're not able to hear, maybe we're, it's maturity, we're not able to hear, then he's in his wisdom not going to teach us yet, right? Paul did that in Corinthians to the church yes, of Corinth. Yes, yes. Not only did he say you're babes, but you're also carnal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to give you meat, but I right. couldn't. Yeah. I yeah. have to speak unto you as carnal yeah. because you are carnal. So, And, and let's be honest, we're all carnal at times, mm-hmm. most of the time, if, if we're honest with ourselves. Especially you. Mm. I'm, I'm the worst. So <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> there's love around this. Table. Yes. No, no. But, but if we're honest with ourselves, there's too much in here for us to get. Can I say it like that? There's too much in the scriptures for us to get. That doesn't mean put it down and say, I can't handle it. But it's for us to say, this is something I learn. But that doesn't mean never go back to that passage well, and again, the pro- you got it all. Well, the process of learning is line upon line, precept yes. upon precept. Okay. For instance, you men have helped me in formulating a, a working understanding of Genesis 1, okay, to, to understand, replenish, and subdue. 
in a, in a broader view than just it's just you know God made man. There, there's so much going on that the the average reader who is just reading the Bible is going to miss. So um, the same can be true in any page of Scripture. If you just read it as a narrative, David and Goliath, that's a great story. But there's more going on, mm. okay, in the Scriptures. If we just read it like we read a Louis L'Amour book, it's a cool story, bro, you know, and we can, oh, oh fight your giants, amen. There's so much more happening in mm-hmm. there. Than just going out and fighting the giants of our life with God's sling. Well, and this is where, you know I mean? <laughs> but hold on, this is where there certainly are practical and personal applications. Of course, there are. But we can't neglect. We can't neglect like doctrinal and prophetic. So, so can we? Can we be true? People approach the scripture. I believe every word in here. Okay, David and Goliath. Did that? Did that historically happen? Yeah, amen, that happened. And then we bypass the prophetical and go straight to what I called in the last episode, and Pastor Wiley picked on me, but the devotional. Mm -hmm. We go from the historical to the devotional. You know, David really killed Goliath. This is how you kill the Goliaths in your life. And we completely miss the middle, which is to me where the meat is. It's a lot of work to get that. It's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of digging. And you miss, there's something mm-hmm. that's a lot bigger, and ain't just Goliath, mm-hmm. that's going on. And I'm not, we're not doing that today. I'm just using that as an example. And every page of scripture is going to have that, because every word of God is pure. The, f- the infinite God is giving finite man his word. And who are we to ever think that we got enough? I got David and Goliath. Yeah, I'm going to face. You know what I mean? So, anyway. And who are we to think that, well, that's a contradiction? That's an error, right? Oh, yeah. It's pretty bold. Yeah. It's very bold to think that God messed up Mm. because obviously he didn't. Mm. So, it's going to be our understanding. Mm -hmm. And so, here's a great truth, all right? Whenever there's an apparent contradiction in the Bible, Apparent contradiction. Whenever we come across that, God is going, and, and, and we study that out to fix in our mind this contradiction, God is always, in every apparent contradiction, God is always revealing to us a deeper truth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's not revealed in a non-apparent contradiction. So the easy parts of Scripture, let's be honest, okay, salvation is simple. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, why is that simple? Because that's like, you know, number one. Should that not be simple? We shouldn't have to dig deep into the scriptures to find the simplicity of salvation. The Bible says that in was it, 1 Corinthians 15, the simplicity that be in Christ. First, uh, 2 Corinthians 11, that's where it is. The simplicity which be in Christ. Um, but Proverbs also says that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. Yes. Yes. So... Not that we are ever above the mind of God to try to unconceal that matter. Well, but it says the honor of kings is to search it out. That's right. Right. So we are to search the scripture. We're to be the Bereans and to search the scriptures and see what are in there to help us gain and understand and grow in our knowledge of God and 
And why? Because I just want a better relationship with him. Okay. The more I know my wife, the more I have a better relationship with her. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got married in June. My wife's birthday is July. I got married in June. That next month, I already forgot her birthday. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. I wasn't even married. I was barely married a month. And the day her birthday showed up, I completely forgot. <laughs> I'm not divorced, praise the Lord. <laughs> But that was 17 plus years ago. But my point is, is that the more you're to get, the more you want, if you want to grow your relationship, you got to get to know each other. If I want to grow my relationship with, with the Lord, I got to get to know him. And it ain't just, you know, let me pray and Lord teach me something. I got to get into what I know of him and that's the scriptures. So this is way off subject of contradictions, but I'm just, go ahead. Can I mention this about, and I would say supposed contradictions Mm -hmm. that... Some are man-made. Agreed. Me, let me give you an example. Um, in the book of Jonah, it's called a fish. Yeah. And then in Matthew 12, it's called a whale. Yeah. And so you will have uh, those who say, well, here's a contradiction in the Bible, because uh, in Jonah, it's called a fish, but Jesus called it a whale. Well, why is that a contra- how is that a contradiction in the Bible? Hmm. Well, because a fish is a fish and a whale is a mammal. Does the Bible say that? Well, yes. Right. Does the man Bible has, class it that right, way? Man That's right. Ha, man has created this designation yeah. that, this doesn't, classification that, that doesn't, doesn't exist in the yes, Bible. Right. So, um, Which therefore is, doesn't exist in the mind of God. Right. right. If it yeah. doesn't exist in the mind of God, why are we even forming it? Right. So that's not a that's right. contradiction. Uh, so, in the scriptures. So this contradiction that I'm going to look at today, oh, I'm sorry, this apparent contradiction right. that we're going to look at today, it, this is for the student of the scriptures. You know what I mean? He's come across this one. He's already rectified Jonah and the whale and fish. Let's be honest, the guy who says the Bible's full of contradictions, that's the one they're going to use because they just don't even want to have a relationship with God. But a student who wants a, 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 a formulated a relationship with Christ has already, you know what I mean? The whale fish one isn't a big deal to him, but this one can be um, if your approach to Scripture is, is flawed by thinking, oh, man must have mistranslated. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So does that make sense? Yes, sir. So let's get to the, the nuts and bolts of this one. Um, Acts 13 and 1 Kings 6 are the two. We'll start with 1 Kings 6. And we'll go, because 1 Kings 6 is only one verse. Acts 13 is several. You have to do math. Mm. I have a pen and paper. Okay. He has a pen that has a gold tip. Yes, he has that again. Doesn't make the checks any better, though. Yeah, no. <laughs> But the check the first was written to get it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> first Kings 6, verse 1. Again, this is only going to be, this, this apparent contradiction is only going to be found by a person who is comparing Scripture to Scripture. Okay. Okay. First Kings 6, 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass in the 480th year after the children of Israel were come out of the land of Egypt. So there's 480 years. In the fourth year, now let's stop there for a moment, okay? We're Westerners. We think like Westerners. If it's 
in the fourth year. Okay, I am now living in my 40th year, but what is my age? 39. I'm 39. If it's in the fourth year of Solomon's reign, what year is he doing? What year is he in? He's in his third. He's he's well, served. He's, he's already served three. Three years. Okay. So he's in his fourth year. That's right. You get what, you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Easterners, if you're if you're born in Asia, when you're born, you're one. That's how Easterners think. Do you? Yeah. This issue came up recently in South Korea. Yes. Where some South Koreans had to keep track of three different ages. Because uh, in, in in their culture, mm-hmm. right? So they recently rectified it, so everybody is down to one age it's now. Counting right, but yeah. it was complicated. But it, it does exist because it just like I mean, let's be honest. The Bible is going to the approach of Scripture has always been what you and I would call today Middle Eastern. But we're Westerners, not cowboys. But you know what I mean. We think mm-hmm. like Westerners. What we're saying is, don't read your Western bias into Scripture. Yes. Yes. So in the fourth year means he served three years. Correct. So it's 483 years since Israel left Egypt and Solomon began to build the house of the Lord, it says in 1 Kings 6.1. Okay. In the fourth year, Solomon's reign over Israel and the month Ziph, which is the second month that he began to build the house of the Lord. So the temple is being built. 483 years after Israel left Egypt, and you you see what I'm saying? I'm following you. Okay. Yep, I'm writing it down too. Okay. Yep. So now go to Acts 13. So for time, I don't know where we're at. We don't care about time. Oh, okay. I feel like I'm doing all the talking. So Acts 13, verse 18. The Apostle Paul's preaching, and he says, and about the time, uh, no, I'm sorry, verse 17, let's start there. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt, with an high arm brought he them out of it. And about the time of 40 years suffered he their manners in the wilderness. Now we know that. How long was Israel in the wilderness after they came out of Egypt? 40 years. Okay, verse 19. And when he had destroyed seven nations and land of Canaan, he divided their land to them by lot. And after that, he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet. You with me so far? Mm-hmm. So Israel leaves Egypt, you have 40 years. Then you have 450 years up till Samuel. What is that total already? That's 490 490 years. Okay. Afterward, they desired a king. Verse 21, and God gave unto them Saul, the son of Kis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin by the space of 40 years. Saul was king for 40 years. Okay. And when he had removed him, verse 22, he raised up unto them David to be their king to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Question. It's not here, but the Bible student is going to know how long did David reign. You guys remember? 40 years. 40 years. So Saul reigned 40, David reigned 40, and we already know, according to 1 Kings chapter 6, Solomon, the guy after David, reigned at least three years 
and then the temple was started, right? Okay. So here's where we have to rectify our apparent contradiction. Do you know what 40 plus 450 plus 40 plus 40 plus 3 is? I'm adding it up right now. I have 573. 573. Okay. So according to what we just read, from Egypt to the building of the temple is 573 years. But according to 1 Kings, it's 483. This is a problem. Okay. This is a big problem. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. So how do we fix it? We right. go back and we I'm edit sorry. the text. I'm sorry. We've messed up our numbers. It's 480. Got it. We know the third year of Solomon, but the third year of Solomon is the 480th. I knew my brain was messed I'm up. I'm tracking. So then this would be 570? That's 573. 573. And 480. Got it. Because the difference is 93 years. Right. So the issue is going to have to be not in our minds... I'm sorry. Issue is not going to be in the scriptures. The issue is going to be in our minds. Let me let me backtrack. I messed up there for a moment. There's a lot of numbers, so sure. Deal with and I'm going to keep writing it down. So I know. I'm up. glad you are. Mm-hmm. So 480 in First Kings six, 573 in Acts thirteen. So how do we fix it? Well, we know Saul's reign, forty years. That's pretty clear in the scriptures. We know David's reign is 40 years. That's uh, 1 Kings 1, I think. I don't remember the exact location. But we know it's 40 years, okay? There's no question the 40 years in the wilderness. Again, I'm approaching this not from a skeptic, but from a Bible student, mm-hmm. okay? So look what it says in verse 20. And after that, he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years. Now, where is that? Well, that's in the Bible and the book of Judges. Mm-hmm. So go to Judges. Because that's where our, the, the other numbers seem to be pretty, yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, 40 years in the wilderness, 40 years of Saul, 40 years of David. Well, what about the Judges thing? Well, in Judges, if you go to Judges, now Judges is a fun book because everything in Judges is always about Israel. You know, the Bible was it saying Judges. I'm sorry, I'm looking up a verse at the same time. Well, every man does that which is right in his own eyes. Yes, there's a continual cycle of of rebellion, of constantly messing judgment, up. Judgment. God right. bails them out. Now, God gets specific because whenever there's a nation controlling his people, he tells us when. Okay, for instance, look at Judges 3, verse 8. The Bible says, therefore, the anger of the Lord was hot. I like that one. Mm-hmm. There's one thing, you, you've read it, it's kindled against Israel. You know what kindling is. I do. Yeah, well, this time it's hot. <laughs> That's a little different. Anyway, therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rishathim. See, I can read. You did a great job. Good. King of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served Cushan Rishathim how long? Eight years. Eight years. 
They served him for eight years. God sends judge. They had rest. Judges 3, verse 14. So the children of Israel served Eglon, king of Moab, how long? 18 years. Mm-hmm. Judges 3, 14. You with me so far? Yes. Okay. Now go to, I'm trying to remember all my notes here. I don't have all my notes. Go to Judges 6, verse 1. The Bible says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian. How long? Seven years. Seven years. And we know Midian. We know... um, the, the, the Gideon and the army and all that kind of stuff against the Midianites, right? Mm-hmm. So then we go to, uh, let's see here. I lost my, my number here. We have the judging of Israel for certain... Where is it at? How many, how many have we done so far? We've done three, right? Yep. Eight, 18, and seven. Mm-hmm. There's two more, and for like me, the Bible tells us where somebody judged Israel how many years. Okay. It's in um, Judges 13, 1, but I believe that's the last one. Yeah, that's the last one. We have one more between... So there's Judges 10, verse 2, speaks about Tola. So are you adding up the years? I'm adding up the years that they were in oppression. Okay. 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 Do Judges 13, 1. The Bible says, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines 40 40 years. Okay. Okay. So can I, while you're looking for that, I think I'm on to what's going on Add those numbers real quick. Okay. 40 plus 7 is 47, plus 18 would be 65. Plus the 7. Plus 8, Oh, plus 8, I'm sorry. Yep. Yep. Is going to be 73. 73. Yep. There is a 20 years, and I missed it somewhere. A 20 years where they're oppressed. Yes. Okay. So you're... I'm doing this without my notes. Yeah, you're so. doing great. Okay. So um, what we would want to do is search for the word years in the I book am. of Judges, right? I am. Yep. Okay. <laughs> and then we're going just to this. look for... This is what makes me mad. Well, don't get mad. This is like any Bible student that's working through. It doesn't just... You have to work at it. The Bible says that much study is a weariness of the flesh, yes. right? But we have to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. 20 years. So I'm looking, you're looking, listeners should be looking. We have listeners screaming right now. They right. found it. We just oh, we know oh, we where it, it is. It's in Judges 4. Okay. It was way back there. All right. I knew I missed it. Yep. I knew there was chariots. That's what I was looking for, the chariots. Judges 4.3. Cue the applause. Yes. Right, here we go. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and 20 years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. There This is. is Jabin. That's Jabin. All right. Okay. So if I add 20, I have 93. 93. So my point is, 
if you go through the book of Judges, the five times that a Gentile nation took the people and they did not control their land, it adds up to be 93 years. You with me? I'm with you. I'm with okay. you. Okay. In 1 Kings 6, you have 480 years from leaving Egypt to the temple. Paul says 573 years, a difference of how many years? 93 years. The 93 years is found in the book of Judges. Now, why is that? Because when Israel is not in control of their land, God stops the clock Hmm. for the nation of Israel. Whenever there's Gentile control, God stops the clock. That's the teaching. Now, why did Paul bring it up? Because who's Paul talking to? He's talking to Gentiles. Paul's the apostle to the Gentiles. The Gentiles are going to do this. Whereas in 1 Kings 6.1, God's not going to bring up the Gentile control of the book of Judges because he's talking about when Israel controlled their land. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, you also have, okay, so those 93 years Mm -hmm. are 93 years that they were not under the rulership of judges. They were not under they were not under God. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like so when Paul says they were you know ruled by the judges about the space of 450 years. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we have to understand that these 93 years represent years that they were not, not ruled by the judges. Ruled by the judges. They were under Gentile rule. Yeah, yeah that makes sense so to me. So when you add the number, you know what I mean? So this was just study I I did, I had help, but it really was eye-opening for me to see an apparent contradiction is actually teaching you a deeper truth of how God feels about Israel and their land. God's never promised the church land. The church is not Israel. We do not believe in replacement theology. And so when you start understanding how God, because again, are not we living and what we define as the church age. The Bible never uses that term, but the time of the Gentiles. Yeah. Okay. Which so, Israel's clock is not moving. Which Israel's clock is not moving. Because Israel's clock is set by Daniel. Yes. There's a seven-year time that it's not happened yet. Right. Of the 490 years, only 483. This is, I'm not doing what we just did. I'm doing Daniel 9. There's 483 years that have happened. Well, where's this other seven years? Because, okay, back in the days of, of DVDs, well, you can do it now, I guess, when you live stream or just stream anything on Netflix. If you are watching a movie and it's time to go get popcorn, not at the movie theater, but at your house, okay? Remember on your remote, there was a play pause button mm-hmm. and there was a stop button. Remember with the VHS? Sure. If you hit... More like DVD, I guess I could say. But anyway, if you hit play pause, if you hit pause, you go get your popcorn, you come back, hit play, it's going to resume right where it left off. Mm -hmm. If you hit stop, you go back, come back, you hit play, it's going to start at the beginning again. Mm -hmm. Okay? God, in essence, has paused the clock for Israel. It's still there. Sure. And once the fullness of the Gentiles become in, he hits play again on that clock because there's seven years to be for the clock to count down to. That truth can clearly be seen in this study that we just did with Kings and Acts 
How does God view? Well, he clearly pauses the clock every time Gentiles are holding his people. Mm -hmm. And then he hits play again when they get back. Mm -hmm. So that's the, to me, the, the over, not the overwhelming, but the, the amazing truth when an apparent contradiction happens. And then when you become a student and you dig into it, you go, oh, wow, there's actually a, there's a theological truth here. Because there's more going in judges than just this a cool little narrative. There's something happening. Right. There's another layer. There's another yeah. layer. Yeah, that's good. So, and this is just one. There's, mm-hmm. there's, I mean, fish and whale. There's, and to me, that's a good apparent contradiction to show us a great truth how God views the animal kingdom, as we call it. God never calls it animals, nor does he call it kingdom. Because um, God classified his creation in four categories. And that's clearly seen in Genesis. That's why he calls a whale a fish. Um, that's a big truth. Um, so whenever there's an apparent contradiction. I mean, is that not obviously just agreeing with Darwinism? Because the whole, I believe one of the points of the categories of the animals was, was, Darwinism. was to put man in the same category. Kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. Wow. You rattled so, that off quick. You don't remember <laughs> that? Would you say that one more time? No. Kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. Did you go to species. public school or something? No. Okay. I went to a Christian school, oh. and they still taught me that. That Which is the Latin, you know what I mean? Which is why the the Looney Tunes... Which is tied to Roman Catholicism, Josh, and we don't do Latin. Okay. Sorry, so, go ahead. Remember, you ever watch Wiley Coyote and, and Roadrunner? Oh, of course. Heard of it. You've heard of it. Come on. And you know, when the cartoon would start, you know, you see you see the Roadrunner and all of a sudden it paused and it had Roadrunner and then it writes some Latin thing underneath. It wasn't Latin, but it was like making, you know, right. no speedicus fasticus. You know what right, I mean? Right, right, right. And, then, and then, then he'd run away and then you see the coyote. We do that even now with animals and we classify them in whatever kingdom and in phylum and class and order. Well, what is that? That's Darwinism. God said, creeping thing, if you're a bug, that's what you are. Fish, if you swim in the water, that's what you are. Fowl, if you fly, that's what you are. Cattle, if you're on the land, that's what you are. That's it. So, and what's interesting is it's almost like God knew yes. that man would create issue with his word because is not the whale the only animal that's named? It's actual name. It says it in Genesis. We talking in Genesis one, right? Yeah, he says, and he made the whales also. It, it says he made great made whales. great whales. That's what it was, right? Yeah. It's almost like he knew, yeah. and he just did it ahead of time. Yep. That well, okay. What was the curse on the serpent? That shall be cursed above all cattle. If cattle meant just cows, why is God bringing up cows talking to a snake? Mm-hmm. Because he's talking about land animals. Land creatures were called cattle. Water creatures were called fish. Air creatures were called fowl, and bugs were called creeping things. And that's it. Man has overcomplicated where God just made it simple. Right. So that's just one. I'm using the whale fish thing. But again, that's an apparent contradiction that the more you study, the more you find out the glory and power of God and the awesomeness of his word. This with First Kings and Acts, an apparent contradiction, and then we go, whoa, yeah, this is a great truth to show that God pauses the clock for Israel whenever there's Gentile control. So you get what I'm saying. Sure. Um, I just think it's a, it's a good help 
to when you approach, and that's just, again, just a few, but whenever you approach the scriptures and you come across a quote-unquote apparent contradiction, take note, because if you allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you into all truth, he's going to guide you into something, and you're going to see that there's a deeper hidden, I don't like the word hidden, but the Bible uses the word hidden, okay? But a, a, a different layer, Chad said a few moments ago, to this, and you're going to see, wow, there's, there's you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's a great truth that God is revealing in his word, not to me individually, because there's no um, uh, uh, personal interpretation. What's the word I'm looking for? Private, Private interpretation. Um, but at the same time, there's a truth in the scripture that he, the Holy Spirit, is going to guide me into, and... It's really fascinating when that happens. You're you're in deep thought. Yeah, because you know the you're question, flipping through scriptures, right? Here. Well, I think I think that like there is bringing into this conversation. All right, so bringing into this conversation, it's worth considering. Well, who is God, and why does God do this? And you think about when Jesus teaches. The Bible says, "I'm I'm again in Mark four. The Bible says in Mark 4.34 that without a parable spake he not unto them. When you compare Jesus, Jesus's, um, his mode of teaching, okay, when you compare Luke and Mark and Matthew, what you find is that his manner or his method was to go to a village mm-hmm. that if he's with his disciples, the disciples would go in announced that he's there, and people would come out from the villages and he would teach them. And he would begin with the same parable, the parable of the sower, Hmm. right? And he would then teach, he would then speak, speak parable after parable, okay? And, And the Bible says that without, okay, without a parable spake he not unto them, all right? So the disciples ask him why... Why do you teach in parables? Uh, For example, verse 10 of Mark 4, when he was alone, they that were about him with the 12 asked of him the parable. So why is it you teach in parables? And his answer is in verse 11 of Mark 4, unto you it's given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, Hmm. that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand. So, God knows. Here's what parables do. Parables separated the serious from the unserious. Yes, yes. So, I think you could make the argument that an apparent contradiction separates the serious from the unserious. So, a person who comes across an apparent contradiction and they're unwilling to to work at it and try and understand what's going on, okay, well, then that separates them from the serious student. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 okay because I, I know okay the Bible says the laborer is worthy of his hire okay so the people that work harder get paid more yeah, right the people that, that are better at their jobs get paid more not everybody should get participation trophies in fact it's you don't have a right we don't have a right to extract from God truths that we have not worked for, for. right? 100%. 
If it's his Holy Spirit that leads and guides us into all truth, then our responsibility is to submit ourselves unto him to do the work and expect him to teach 100%. us by faith. Yes. So, you know, in the same way that I was just thinking about, okay, so what is the purpose of an apparent contradiction? Yes, it does. In the end, what does it accomplish? Well, there's a, there's a layer of learning that we didn't have before, but what is choosing an apparent contradiction accomplish, it's like a parable. It separates the serious from the unserious, um, which God is a divider, right? He mm. separates. Uh, good stuff. I, pre- I really appreciate Just that Just getting study. into, again, that's, uh, we can't get enough because the Bible's so full of contradictions. Um, I that, just, but that's your, that takes some work. Like I know you know, in the end, there's nothing new under the sun in the no, sense that not. we're taught. We're taught from others. Yeah. But you still have to do the work to try to understand. I kicked myself that I forgot Judges 4, but I went from Judges 3 to Judges 6. I knew there was one in between. Right. That's but right. if, okay, <laughs> if you're the listener, right, it's yeah, like, okay, do well, do the work. Like do the some, work. It's just don't expect someone else. And don't take our word for it. That's right. Don't take Pastor Josh's word for That's it. That's right. Um, do the work. Yeah. I think it's so key how we go to the scriptures as well, because, you know, <clears throat> there can be a fossil on the ground, and this guy will say Darwin, and this guy will say Noah, you know, looking at the same thing. Right, right. Same, yeah. Whereas, you know, Which I... Your worldview bias... Correct. ...is what's yes. going to inform what's in front of you. Yes. You think there's an error in the Bible because you want there to be mm. errors in the Bible, because if the Word of God is not the Word of God, then I'm not subject to it. Mm. So it's not that, oh, no, there's an error. You want there mm-hmm. to be an error in the Bible, because then you're not accountable to it. Right. So, you know, the Bible teaches us in Isaiah 55 that his ways and thoughts are so much higher than ours. Yes. That to think that we can come to the scriptures and find something that is uh, going to be wrong when the Bible clearly states, you know, let God be true and every man a liar. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting. Like you said, um, the approach to the scripture isn't. Uh, I just want to find flaw. The approach is this is perfect and pure. So then when I come across this apparent contradiction, it's okay to look for them. Mm-hmm. So then we can say, Lord, show me, because I want to know you more. I, w- I want to I get to that layer um, and to understand that there are people who just want to find the contradiction because they just want to discredit God in the scriptures. And um, my mind went to blindness. You know, they have, you ever heard the term, you know, they have spiritual blindness. Well, there is a group of people in the scripture who the Bible says is blind, and that's mm-hmm. Israel, mm-hmm. Um, which is cool because God was, or Jesus Christ was called thou son of David four times when he was here. Three of those times were by Israelites, and all three of those times were by blind people. Blind Bartimaeus, yeah. two blind men out of Jericho, two blind men in Jerusalem. They all called him son of David, and they're all blind. The only other person who called him son of David, have mercy, was a Gentile Syrophoenician that woman. That is interesting. So blindness has happened to Israel, yet here's a Gentile who recognized who he was. Mm. And he ignored her, called her a dog. <laughs> I mean, that's just fun. But 
then because she even knew her place. Because she talks about the dogs eating off the crumbs, the crumbs from the master's table. I mean, he recognized she knows who she is, and she knows who he is. He, mm-hmm. She called him son of David, yeah. the king. Yeah. So I guess what I'm getting to is blindness has happened, but when you recognize who he is and you approach the scriptures right, you're going to get some good truth as long as you're willing to listen to the truth. And sometimes it's truth you don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, you've heard that statement, truth hurts. You know, sometimes it's truth you don't want to hear, like, oh, what's subdue mean? What's he got to subdue? You know what I mean? <laughs> That's a truth that sometimes is hard to hear. But if you approach it, I hate the term open mind because I don't believe in open-mindedness. You know, that's that's a that's a new age approach, you know, have yeah. good vibes. You know what I mean? seems like that's the opposite of keep every thought captive. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want yeah. open-mindedness. I don't want to approach the scripture with an open mind, but I want to approach the scripture- With a teachable with heart. With a submissive heart. Yeah. Yes. With a teachable yeah. heart. How about this biblically? Readiness of mind. Readiness of mind. Receive it with all readiness. Just, Lord, teach me. So- You know, it's interesting. You, you mentioned, okay, so we're working through this idea of apparent contradictions, hmm. right? And and it, I'm- Sometimes in my in my own mind, I think through if I'm talking to someone and they believe that you know the word of God has been corrupted, right? Well, okay. So, is it the will of God that corrupt communication come out of our mouths? Right? It's it's not. Correct. God has commanded, let no corrupt communication. So communication. That has been corrupted. Hmm. All right. So, so why? You know, I would ask that same person. You know, do you believe that God would allow communication from His mouth to be corrupted? Right. And it doesn't seem like it well, would jive with the nature of God to allow His communication to be corrupted. Well, wouldn't that also contradict even God Himself? Because we separate God from His Word. You know what I mean? Sure. Here we have God. Right. We have the Godhead. Right. Right. You know, we we say Trinity, but it's the Godhead. Right. And then we have His Word over here. This is how He communicates to. Us. He is His Word, right? Right. So, so to separate Him from His Word is actually to separate God. Well, a man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Okay. You know what I mean? Like I even I try to be understanding. How does a person? How can a person hold an NIV? In their in their hands, what makes them feel good about that? Yeah. You know, because obviously they do. And I am not of the kind that would say, "Well, you're not saved if yeah, you yeah, right." Yeah. But at the end of the day, you're holding something that is different, and if it's different from that which is pure, then in some way, shape, or form, it has been corrupted. Right where there are disagreements. From you put one verse beside another, and there's disagreement. Okay, the nature of thesis and antithesis is only one can be right. They can't both be right. So if they're not both right, then you have to answer the question. You know, not me because I know where I'm at, but you have to answer the question. Which one is it? Which Which one is in this instance the Word of God? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, because there's, you know, the translation field is so broad. You can bring in a, an ESV or a New King James or whatever 
Now you're bringing in all these different competing voices claiming to be the Word of God, contradictions. They can't all be. That's right. They cannot all be the Word of God because they, if there's differences to one of these things is not like the other, right? <laughs> and then to even – I know I'm getting away from where you are. No, but, but like I have to go back to fundamentally – Where's this person coming but from? But that's what, that's what I mean. That, that's the foundation. Before you get to the apparent contradiction, you have to believe the words in front of you. Right. And you can't just, well, you know, in this translation, but a better translation right. of it is... See, that's a whole other topic about yeah. errors in the Bible. <sighs> yeah. Because in these translations, they have placed horrible errors mm-hmm. in the Bible. For instance, by removing the word begotten. Mm-hmm. From John three sixteen and putting in one and only only son. Well, that's not true. That's just biblically untrue. Yeah, and you've just added major. Uh, and then, then the response is, "Well, you know what it means." No, we don't. No, we no, don't. Because okay, beginning with the end in mind, what does this change do to my great grandchildren? That's right. Right. That's where you. Where is this taking me? That's right. Because Adam was the son of God. Right. Right? I mean, all you got to do is look at the genealogy. Right. Adam was the son of God. And then also, what do you call yourself? That's right. Mm-hmm. If Jesus is God's only son, mm-hmm. then... Then you're out. Then you're out, buddy. Mm-hmm. Bummer. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Oh. It's good. Anyway, that was great, Josh. I appreciate you can't, that. You can't get enough. I think the end of it is we just come to the word of God knowing that, okay, there's something maybe flawed in my understanding... That's all it is. But there's not something flawed in his word. That's right. We have to believe in the purity of his word. Mm -hmm. Because if it's not pure, then he ain't. That's terrible grammar, but it's good theology. You know what I mean? If his word's not pure, then he's not pure. Because there are verses where I can't tell whether it's talking about the written word or the living word, Jesus Christ. Mm. I can't tell. Mm -hmm. 1 Peter 1.23 is one of those verses where I believe you can make an argument. I I, I tell For our both. folks, right, is this where it talks about uh, that we're saved by incorruptible seed, which liveth and abideth forever. Okay. Is that talking about the scriptures, yeah. the written word, or is yeah. that talking about Jesus, the living word? And my answer is yes. 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 Right? <laughs> it's because about both. the two are... You cannot know yes. the living word apart from the, the written, written word. word. Like they're the same. But see, they've separated them so that because the same people who would criticize his word, who call themselves theologians, will never criticize the Lord Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. his person. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is why, you know, we deal with the uh, um you know I enjoy this argument called circular reasoning. Mm. You know, anything the Word of God says about itself, you can't because, well, that's circular reasoning. You've dealt with that. Yeah. yeah. It's not. It's a presupposition, which we all have presuppositions. You have to. So my point is, is if the Word of God cannot be authoritative about itself, then it can't be authoritative about, about anything. anything. Right. If the foundations be destroyed. What, what is that? Is that a... Never mind, I just said that. But... <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah. 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 Look that up. But, but but yes. Yes. What do you know about Jesus Christ outside of outside his, word? his word? Nothing. You know absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. So talk about throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Um 
But the Bible is authoritative about itself. Of course it is. Of course because, it is. But they will they just slough that away. And of course, this circular reasoning argument shuts up most people. Mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. the point of it, is just to shut people up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's ridiculous reasoning. That's anyway. Good. Well, never mind. Well, to argue that. Uh oh. Well the Bible no, not to argue what he said, <laughs> but to to combat with the folks. Well, that's circular reasoning. The Bible can't say that the Bible is is perfect because you know what I mean. Go with that. So does that mean that anything Jesus says what's, about himself? What's the foundation for that understanding? Is to believe that this is written by man. The foundation's already there. Well, I can write words that says everything I'm writing is true. I could write that, and you have to believe me because my you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Because my foundation is still believing that this is written by man. Yeah, you know you have to take people, and I'm, I am reading a book that's been very helpful to me. It's, it's um, The God Who Speaks, and it's by Francis Schaeffer. And what it has helped me in is in his evangelism, he did, he understood that some, that when you're trying to reach somebody, you have to sometimes take them all the way to the end hmm. where their beliefs take them. Because most people are content with their belief system insofar as they don't have to deal with, where does this take me ultimately? Mm-hmm. I'm okay with the idea of evolution, where, but where does your evolution take you? It takes you to a place where you, under, you have to deal with the reality that you do not matter. Mm-hmm. That your children, you can tell them that they're special and you love them, but those are only constructs that you have made up to cope with life, and you don't really have answers. And that's a hard thing to, to, to reckon out. That's right. Be- your kids, if you're a Darwinist, listen, your kids don't really matter. And if your children, okay, I had this conversation with somebody going through a school zone. This is going to sound awful. This is going to sound terrible. Don't judge me, but just think about it. We're driving through a school zone and we're slowed down to 15 miles an hour and we got places to be, right? I'm with an, a, a friend, not my wife, another man, because my wife would not be this unkind. We got places to be. Right. Come and on. I'm like, why in the world do we have school zones? What a waste of time. They're over, they're, they're on the other side of the road. There's no reason for them to cross the road. And the, the man said, well, it's to protect the kids who might run out in the road. And I'm like, isn't that the point of evolution? If they're dumb enough to run to the road... Survival of the fittest. Right. Yeah. If you take it to its fullest extent, that's what it means. And you know what happens? That doesn't square with the part of us, the the image of God that remains in us, right? Mm. That which that which understands the there is a God. The knowledge... God has placed a knowledge of himself in every heart. And, and taking, you know, bringing Darwinism, this isn't about, I know this isn't the podcast topic, we're just freewheeling at this point, but if you take that all the way to its end, it doesn't square with reality. Mm-hmm. And an apparent, a, a contradiction in scripture, if such a thing, it wouldn't square with who God is. That's right. And his nature. Yes, yes that so sums it up very I well. I can't buy yeah. that. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Because so. it doesn't fit with his nature. Right. That's good. Good job, Josh. There ain't no contradictions in the Bible. Fist bump. Good job. You know, when you have a topic, I'm going to fist bump. 
Go ahead. I'm a, I'll try to have one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good job, just guys. Just believe the Bible. Yeah, just believe your believe Bible. Bible. We call ourselves Bible believers for a reason. And thanks for joining us, folks. We are so glad that uh, you uh, spend the time to listen and to be with us. And we try to have good, uh, thought-provoking content to be able to get out to you. But thank you so much for joining us. We will be coming at you once again in a point in the future with another episode of Backwoods Theology.